welcome to episode 174 of Brutal Battle. Yeah, it's a familiar voice. It's the guy from Beyond the Wall, uh, the neighbor Sean Finn, and uh, we're doing uh, we're doing another episode or so with this guy, awesome beer craft beer neighbor. Uh, it's always fun to have you on, especially because you have a perspective from a home brewing aspect as well. And come to think of it, not a lot of the people who come on the show do. Oh yeah, so cool. It's different. It's interesting. Um, I think we have a really good topic for this episode, too. It'll be fun. Uh, but first, let's go ahead and do the beer Googles, because we're still doing that, and we're on letter O. So I'm going to go to Google search engine, put in how come beer, and then put in the letter O and see what comes up. And this is another one where it just spits out one word after the sentence. So how come beer open? How come beer Olympics? How come beer Oktoberfest? How come beer on a keg? How come beer on hair? Oh, I've read the one that's like hair. That one had to do with someone actually using beer for shampoo for a week. Huh. Actually, you were you on that episode? No. That's, that's, I forget no. who that was then. Maybe it was Mike or something. I actually haven't seen these Google beers. Oh, the beer Googles? Yeah, oh, you haven't been on for that. Yeah. Uh, they're fun. So... Basically, what I'm going to do then is we'll just decide, like, which one of these search um, uh, words do we want to use to look at the very first article that comes up related okay. to beer, and then we'll take a look at it and see what it is. So, how come beer open, Olympics, Oktoberfest, or on a keg? You want to try Olympics? We can. I oh. think it's going to be a drinking game thing. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, which definitely intrigues me. <laughs> I'm down with learning about that. So the very first, oh nice, the very first thing that comes up is from a site called BroBible.com. Oh. So it's got to be a beer drinking thing, and it does. It's an article. It looks like just like someone's blog article, and it says drinking game: how to have your own beer Olympics. All right, and it was it was only posted seven months ago, so okay. this is relatively, you know, recent. Um, all right, let me see if I okay. So, at this point, it was August. So, since it's August, we, as bros, have quite a few things to look forward to. There's also something to be said for football season coming up and this year, the Rio Olympics. Now, unless you've been training your whole life, given up nights out of every morning workout, given up alcohol for flaxseed oil shakes, or given up random girls for personal trainers or coaches, then you probably won't be joining Team USA in Brazil this year. However, there are some Olympic games you can compete in, ones you've been training for your entire adult life. It also said in parentheses and probably high school. <laughs> okay, so basically they have an idea for these beer Olympics. Um, so you create teams. Teams must be made up of no more than six participants and no fewer than four. Every team must have an equal number of players. Four teams minimum, no max, but has to be uh, even number of teams. Ideally, teams will have the same number of girls on them to avoid one team being at a disadvantage. There needs to be between 15 to 20 cans of beer allocated per player per team. It's always... <laughs> nice. I see where this is going. Yeah. It's always better to err on the side of caution and go with a bigger number. Oh. <laughs> because if you run out of beer mid-competition, you are disqualified and your team loses a set number of points and it's not like any extra beer would go to waste. Every team competes in every event but not every team member. For scoring, you take the number of teams you have, the award that many points, uh, and award that many points f 
for first in each of the events. Last place always gets one point every team in between, and you get the point. To avoid confrontation, teams represent a color, not a country. Really? You think that that would, like, <laughs> cause a problem? Okay. There's no way I'd represent any country besides the good old U.S. of A., they mm-hmm. say in this. And I know my fellow bros echo that sentiment. <laughs> nice. Nice. So they have a thing about opening ceremonies. That's dumb. Uh, but then they have the events they broke down for you. You have the volume chug. All right? So whole team does the volume chug, and basically these are the rules. Each team's given one large bucket. Into the bucket, one can of beer per team member is poured. <laughs> this is bad. Wow. The clock starts when the first participant begins to chug. The clock stops when all the beer has been finished. Points deducted if there is an excessive amount of beer spilled. Fastest time wins. Then there's beer pong. Uh-huh. Obviously, that one is self-explanatory. I don't need to go into the rules on that. Everybody knows beer pong. Then there's body shot slash funnel relay race. Huh. <laughs> Number of participants, four per team. For this event, each team needs four participants. A girl. This is why having at least one girl per team is crucial. Hopefully, you get the thin girl who has a little divot in her stomach when she's on her back. But if you get a bigger girl, you're taking that shot out of the belly button, son. Jesus. God. Uh, so basically you take a shot off the belly button, uh, and one of your friends holds the funnel at that point, and another bro, they're calling it, actually funnels the beer. You cannot hold your own funnel. There is no I in team. So you do the shot off the belly button, then you funnel a beer. Girl lays down on the table, and one shot of it, of it agreed upon liquor. Okay, now you're getting that involved. Wow. Uh, is poured it on. Salt then spread in the line in the chest, and sliced lime is put in the mouth. Okay, well, this is all pretty, you know, self-explanatory. So basically, you're doing you're doing the shot and on the belly button, and then you're chugging a beer. You're funnel, funneling a beer. So that seems terrible. Louisville Chugger is the, the name of the next one. So the rules on the Louisville tr- Chugger. If the player doesn't spin around 10... Okay, well, I went ahead. Basically, Louisville Chugger looks like you actually hollow out bats, like the big, uh, you know, um, plastic bats, bats, plastic ones, and you pour beer in the bat. Then you do the head spins ten times around the bat, and then you pick the bat up and you chug all the beer out of the bat. Wow. (laughs) So is the point to throw up? Uh, It kind of seems like it. (laughs) And then there's one called Civil War, which is just basically a jacked up, much bigger version of beer pong, so it's three people on each side playing at uh, the same time. Um, more cups, I guess. Yeah, a lot more cups. And then they have recommendations for an event of a tie, as well as closing ceremonies. Wow. Although I do want to read this in the event of a tie, because I'm curious. There's to be a case race. Okay, self-explanatory. Jeez. Case race, so you already got hammered. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just pour it on, man. Just... It's all about the quantity in that. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, um, I guess I do have to say I would not recommend these Beer Olympics uh, as laid out by BroBible.com. So, you know, that's just me. Not not feeling that one. I think I would agree. (laughs) So, let's go to a topic that's a little more engaging. So, uh, Sean and I were talking a little bit beforehand, and we decided to, we're going to talk about this. So, liquor stores. I was thinking about this the other day, and Sean was like, oh, that's great, because I have some things to say. I was thinking about it, too. So liquor stores, they have certain ways that they lay out their beer selection. 
So some of them will do it by country. Um, some will do it by state. Some will do it by brewery grouping together. Some just group it by style. And then there's also the thing where they where they move it around based on like here's the seasonals over here, here's the 22 ounce one offs over here, and here's like the staple beers over here. So I kind of just want to get your thought on it first, Sean. Like, what do you think for you? What do you like and what do you not like? Like liquor store or beer store setup wise when it comes to these beers? Uh, I would prefer keeping them organized within the style. Okay, makes um, sense. Just because generally I know what kind of style I'm looking for when I go yeah. into the store. Um, and, and why I said that I had some opinions is because the last time I went into a store, I think it was last weekend, they had it broken down into uh, types of breweries. They were organized by brewery. And to me, that it was okay, but it kind of threw me off because it, it was just, it, you had to look through everything almost to find what you were looking for. And, um, uh, that's kind of the way I feel about it. I do like when they segregate the, the large format beers. Um, I'm typically not a big um, import beer guy, so I know they're usually separated into countries, yeah. but that doesn't really impact me because I don't really drink it that much. Well, I feel like the import section, and, and a lot of stores actually do that. They mm-hmm. they put um, not U.S., basically. Yeah. There's a whole section that's not U.S. And I feel like people are so American craft beer minded that they're just gravitating to the American's section yeah and i even have this happen i forget that there's even an international section for beer right i forget it all the time yeah but every now and then i just like partially wander into that aisle because there's like an end cap for like usually trogues or flying dog right there and so i go around the side of it and i'm like oh shit i just wandered into the international beer section i forgot about this yeah and then i'll kind of like look around because you have some um you have some really good stuff in there like that's where you get your brew dog yeah. Which I don't know how much longer they'll be there because they're about to open a brewery in Columbus, Ohio oh. at some point. So at that point they may, I don't know how they'll be classified. Some liquor stores may just move them to American since they'll be brewed there. Um, some might keep it international, but you also have really awesome stuff like Omnipolo. Omnipolo yeah, makes Omnipolo's great good. stuff. Yep. Yeah. And you can find a lot of good sours in the import section. Too. Yeah. Oh, oh, Rodenbach. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Probably the most quintessential sour, especially for people who want to get started in sours. Right. Actually, as we heard on the um, most recent uh, Brutal Battle Royale tournament, we got we got Mike kind of feeling uh, the Rodenbach. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he was kind of feeling a little sour with the Rodenbach. So that was a huge win, in oh. my opinion. Oh, he wasn't a sour guy? Oh, no, I hated it. So vocal about it being terrible. So Rodenbach in general? Yeah. Okay. No, no, just sours in sours. general. Okay. So he had, I think that was the first time he'd ever had any Rodenbach. So, cool. I mean, that's the best entry point, I'm just saying. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. That'd be good so damn good. That was yours, too, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, I think we pulled out like a 2010. I think you had a vintage one. Yep. Yeah, we had like a 2010 or 2011, and yeah, it was, was maybe two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's life-changing. So it was good. Yeah, because it's good because a barrel-aged sour really tempers the sour, yeah. know, that flavor. So, Oh, yeah. It's, it's the, good... the wood kind of just like rounds it out right. makes it less rough around the edges. Yeah, and still to this day, that's the only type of sour that I can really handle because yeah. the other ones are a little too too much for me. Yeah, they can get unruly. Yeah. Um, so as far like going back to the layout of the beers, um, I feel what you're saying about the style. I am kind of that same type of person. Where I typically end up going, it's broken down by brewery, and so I do have to, I feel like it takes a lot longer to, to find what you're looking for. It does. Because you just need to be like, okay, what brewery do I want? 
Um, and then even if you know what, what, you know, style you want, you have to look through the brewery or if you know what brewery you want, you have to look through the whole thing for the style. And it's just like, I feel like, it, yeah, if you organize it according to brewery, it's better if you know what you want when you go into the store, but right. if you're browsing, I feel like it's a little harder. Yeah. I feel like if you want to do it by brewery, do it by brewery within the style. Yeah. Like group it by style first and then group it by brewery yeah. because I mean, especially if it's like IPA, you know, yeah. they're, they're going to have like. Uh, a session, a, a regular IPA, uh, an imperial IPA, and potentially a triple IPA. Yeah. Or then also like a fruited IPA, stuff like that. And then just group them together within those areas. Yeah, yeah. my suggestion was basically what you just said, though, is, is group it within the style, or within the style, then put like alphabetical order, which yeah. by default would group the breweries together. So do you feel like these end caps that they end up doing actually draw you in? Like, do you think that works? Because... What I'm thinking of is, if people aren't familiar with what end caps are, it's just basically whenever they take a bunch of cases of beer and they put them at the end of one of the beer aisles or wherever they decide to set it as like a focal point when you're first walking in. Um, and I know it's it's kind of like meant to be an attention getter, but do you feel like that works for you or not? Um, it it kind of just tells me that that's probably the newest beer they got in. And, and that's that's a good thought. So I mean, I kind of just look at it to say, okay, that's new, or this it just came out for the season, or something. And then, yeah. But it doesn't it doesn't really persuade me to buy anything. That's for sure, unless you know, unless it's something that like a like for you know local people now, Nugget Nectar is kind of new. So if that was on the end cap, it's oh yeah, Nugget yeah. Nectar's back. So yeah. So I mean, along that same logic of it being a newer beer, a fresher beer, do you think for that reason that the seasonal uh, end cap? Like, having one section just for seasonals is a good way to go. So that people can kind of be like, what's new? And then go there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I kind of feel like that would be... If that's done, I feel like that's probably the best way to start anytime you go into the store. Yeah, absolutely. To so be like, what's brand spanking new? And then you can move past that and be like, okay, well, now let me look at the stuff I already know is around. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest, like, 22 ounces? Uh, like, I'm thinking... When I'm talking about this, I'm mainly thinking of when I go to Wine World yeah. is the majority of the time, how they have it broken down. But it's done similarly in a lot of other places. Um, but when I go in, it's like I I found myself at first really gravitating to the 22-ounce area mm -hmm. because that's where the most cool, interesting stuff was. But I, you know, I don't know why, and I don't know if you experienced this too, but... I've been gravitating away from the 22 ounce lately. Yeah. And I I guess I feel like maybe it's because I haven't been drinking beers with Rebecca as much lately. Mm. It's mainly been on my own, so I'm going to want the 12 ounces as opposed to the 22. Mm. And especially, like, you don't find 22s in the lighter styles typically. It's, no. It's usually 22s for, like, high ABV high flavor, right. like things that I personally am not going to sit down and want to do 22 ounces of in one night or day or whatever. Right. Right. But I mean, I don't know if you feel the same about that or, um, I, yeah, lately I've been not buying as many large formats because it's a little bit different though. My reason is because I like to try a beer a second time. So like, right. So it's, you know, I don't want to buy two twenty two, So I'd almost rather buy a four pack or a six pack or something. Yeah. Plus, it's self-contained, too, and if you if you get to a point where you're, you know, if you want to try it two times, I mean, you could, and I've done this and it kind of works, do, like, the wine vacuums on the 22-ounce bottles. Oh, yeah, I've never tried that. 
Um, it does work, but it takes the carbonation way down. Mm. So it's not a big deal with certain beers that actually don't have a ton of carbonation, like a barley wine yeah. or like a barrel-aged imperial stout or something like that. It's not a big deal, but if it's something that, you know, the carbonation is going to matter to you, it's probably not the best idea. And yeah. I wouldn't let it go long, maybe just for the next day yeah. and break it half and half, 11 ounces, 11 ounces or something. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, just a few ideas. Um, so... Another thing that I found myself doing, and let me know if this is you too, I, like, never look at the beer that's already cold. Like, ever. Unless I'm, like, I have to go somewhere and I'm picking up beer to go. I always look at everything. Yeah, and Do you? Just, yeah. Because sometimes the newer, like, if they don't have a new beer section, mm. they're, they're typically, they put new beer cold, typically. Uh, that's uh, true. So, um... Which they should, especially if it's like lighter okay. styles, so right. like especially IPAs, obviously really hoppy stuff. Yeah, so so I, I generally can't look at everything. I would say that's good. But I have been. I agree with you though. It's kind of weird that lately the large formats I've been not looking at as much as I used to. Well, I've you know I've noticed that they've been sitting a lot more lately as well, and it's funny because I was I had been thinking about that, and Mike and Sean, who were on the, the last Brutal Battle Royale tournament, um. They were talking, I don't know if it was on podcast or off podcast, but they were talking about um, what they had been, each had been seeing with um, 22 ounce sales. Mm. And they both said they've seen a, a pretty significant downturn in sales of 22s. Hmm. Interesting. Which leads me to this. If the sales of 22s are going down, why don't we try out what some people call nippers, which is like seven ounce bottles. Oh. And that's perfect for great things like high ABV, like barrel-aged beers. They should be doing nippers of barrel-aged beers. Yeah. Like you, you don't even need a 12-ounce. You certainly don't need a 22 of barrel-aged beer, which right. they do a lot of that, though. Yeah, that's a good point. But Rebecca's always been a fan of wanting, wanting like, half beer. She's always like, is there, like, a 6 or 7-ounce beer out there? <laughs> like, actually, there is, but it's, like, really crap beer. Yeah. They used to do it for, I think Corona did it. Oh, yeah. They used to call them ponies. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's right. Corona did it, and I think Rolling Rock. And I think there's a couple um, a couple of the domestic beers do that. I want to say like Coors Light and Miller Light probably do that too. Yeah. And they're good. I think people like them in the summer because they stay colder, you know? Yeah, 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 definitely. And it's just like a little, just like a little something. You that's, know? I think that's a good idea, but I'm, I'm just thinking through the whole process. But I bet it wouldn't be much cheaper. Because if you think about it, yeah. the bottling process is still the same, mm-hmm. and then you have more material, you know, more glass. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. Maybe that's why it hasn't really caught on, maybe? Yeah. I know the yeah, domestic beers do eight packs of them, though, instead of six, which kind of helps a little bit. Yeah, it probably is a um, a cost thing, you know, yeah. which is why you haven't seen breweries really doing that. It's, it's probably also a massive pain in the ass, especially because yeah. you might need smaller-sized bottle caps if you're doing it in bottles oh yeah probably and then also i would assume if it's for like if they got smaller cans or anything that they would have to have some sort of special setting on their canning line yep yeah that well, sounds like a pain in the ass <laughs> yeah. ideally i'd like it but it sounds like it's it's yeah. a logistical nightmare right basically right but yeah what's an idea though That's anything cool. else on that topic because otherwise we will mystery beer it up uh, no, I think I'm yeah. ready for these beers. Ready for the beer. I mean, they've been sitting long enough to entice. Am I right? Yep. Mm. All right. So, uh, I'd just say that A and B actually look pretty similar 
except B is a lot darker. Yeah. Um, but they're both like brown, very brown with a little bit of a orangish yeah. tinge. A's got a little haze to it, maybe a little sediment kind of floating in there. Yeah, yeah. definitely. B is definitely darker, but a lot a little more filtered. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh god. When I get it like right up to light, A yeah. is like so much. Yeah. In suspension, like you can see all the stuff just yep. floating. Yeah. Which kind of makes me think that I'm gonna like A. Yeah, what do you think? That's like uh, pulverized hops, maybe? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Usually the, the <laughs> stuff that doesn't sink to the bottom usually yeah. tends to be a lighter hop. Only hope. All right, let's go ahead and smell A. Hmm. Huh, a little funky? I get... Well, you go ahead and say what you get first, and then I can... Oh, I, it, it smells to me like some type of sour. But Does I get... it? I get a little tartness on the end of the nose. I get, I get a lot of like sweet malt grain. Do you? I get, yeah, I get the tart. A little bit cherry in there, and yeah, which honey, is, which is throwing me off from the haze. Cause I don't, yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, I was expecting something else. I get like cherry, honey, apple, and I do get like a little bit of like a tart lemoniness on the finish of the nose. But it's also, like, got a lot of sweet, like, malt grain. Wow. And almost a little tinge of, like, a strawberry fruit roll-up. You got some kind of nose one, yeah. Been doing this you can distinguish forever. Of sense. Well, sometimes I'm, like, super on with being able to pick things out. I can pick it out fast. Yeah. Other times, like, I can only pick out a few things and I'm slow with it. And sometimes there's stuff I smell, and I'm just like, I can't even pinpoint what that's supposed to be. Yeah, I just get like a tart berry kind of sourish kind of smell. It's not, it's but not like a, not like a cherry, like more like a raspberry or a strawberry maybe. It's not crazy aromatic. It's not like super aromatic. Yeah, but it kind of comes off to me like in the vein of like a Weizenbach or a Scotch ale or. You know, really? something like that. I'm getting a lot of the same notes that I get with those. So it could be something like that. I don't know. I'm ready to taste. Yeah. Malty. Malty. Very malty. Not what I got from the aroma at all. Mm-mm. It's a lot of honey to it. Yeah. Honey. It's like honey and sweet malt and a little bit of a spent malt grain flavor mm-hmm. to it, which I don't. I definitely get the spent malt, which totally surprises me because the way that the appearance looked, I could have swore this was some kind of hoppy beer. Yeah. I've never had like a a malty beer have that kind of haze. Yeah. What's with all that? (laughs) I don't know. What's with the haziness? And I don't know. That's that's odd. Unless this is like an old, old, like red IPA or something. You never know. I do get like a touch of rye in the beginning. Do you get that? Or maybe that's the spent malt that I'm kind of... You know, I could... Yeah. No, I could see that. I could see a rye aspect on there. Like right... right. But it's not you. strong. No, not at all. It's just like a little bit of a rye kick. And and it really, to me, doesn't leave much of an aftertaste. Like it doesn't leave much in your mouth at no. all. I get the, a little rye or whatever, the spent malt, and then honey, and then gone. Yeah. And like a, like I get a bit of a lingering sweetness from that malty sweetness. Yeah, like that, or that honey or something that tastes like Yeah, that. yeah, the honey along with it. Um, it's not, 
I'm not really liking this so much. Uh-huh, I mean, it, but it's not terrible. It's not terrible. I would call it kind of boring-ish. Yeah, it's def- yeah. that's probably uh-huh. the best way to put it. It's boring. It's yeah. definitely boring. Uh, it's not offensive. No, it doesn't taste bad. It's just yeah, it's just yeah. there. It's yeah. a beer. All right. Well, here's the hoping that B is a lot more fun. <laughs> this is the one that was clear, a lot darker. All right, we'll smell it. All right, let me see what you think. What do you smell on that? Wow, barrel. It smells so sour to me. It smells sour, but I get like a barrel kind of sour. You know what I mean? Do you, you get, like some woodiness? I get like a woody smell. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I can see some woodiness in there. I get... It's the sour that's that comes off as nail polish remover. Yep, I was just going to say that. It like the acetone. Me. Right, yep. Yeah, or like a rubbing alcohol or something I was getting out yeah. of it. It's got that really like a bitter type of... Is it not bitter, but... Stringent really type. Stringent, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. This kind of scares me a little bit actually from the, from the scent. No, I mean, I'm fully expecting that I'm going to get a lot of bite from it, yeah. from the sourness. Yeah, me too. But as I keep sniffing it, I get a lot of like sweet tarts. Yeah. Yeah, like a nice sweet tart smell. Yeah, it's like right when the, the, the first scent you get is a little sweet and then mm-hmm. sour. And then when you really get in there, you, you get that astringent rubbing alcohol or yeah. nail polish remover smell. Yeah, it's like uh. Yeah, it's like the beginning is like a lemon sweet tart, and then it goes into that acetone right after that, which is, I'll be honest, the end of that smell is not pleasant, right, right. but it makes me excited because I know that beers that smell like that sometimes are like super awesome. It So it comes off like a, you can go ahead and, and start sipping, but it comes off to me kind of like a, on the nose, like a, like a Flanders Brown style. That's what I was thinking too. Some kind of tempered type of sour, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. It's a lot softer than I thought it would it's be. It's really smooth. It's sweet. It's, it's sour, but it's got a sweet side to it. That's good. Balanced really well. I feel like I almost get... I feel like it's so sweet. Like sweet tarts. Yeah, it's very sweet. It's a lot sweeter than it is sour, and on the nose I was getting a lot more sour than sweet. Um, that's good. It does taste like sweet tarts. Yeah, yeah, like, like a a sweet tarts or like one of those sweet sour candies. Not not really sour patch kids, but maybe like a something like that. It's kind of like a hmm. It's got some sort of berry character on it as well, like like a raspberry maybe. I was thinking that initially, but it also could be like one of those more obscure type berries, like a boysenberry or like a, a black berry yeah. or yeah. That's good. I'm surprised. That, uh, Man, that's a hell of a lot softer I know. <laughs> than I thought it was going to be. Like, it, it, it smells like it's going to be aggressive sour. And it's just like, it's kind of like fluffy around the edges with the sourness. Right, it's, right. It doesn't have a bite at all. It's really well balanced for it's almost sour. like a like a sour marshmallow in my mouth. <laughs> Although it doesn't have like vanilla or anything. But mm. Hmm. It's weird. I went back and smelled A. And it smells to me now like it tastes. Does it? Hmm. 
I get a lot of spent malt now all of a sudden. Yeah. It's like when you know more. what it's like when you know what it is, that's what yeah. you can Well the other is. thing is is having had the sour beer, it kind of strips a lot of the other flavors out. Oh, that's true. And it's just reduced it to sweetness and like, you know, earthy multi grain. Yeah. Almost like so. tea. Yeah. Like to me it's like Yeah, tea. like sticks and dirt. <laughs> sticks and leaves and dirt and such. Yeah. Alright, so A. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first on A? Go ahead. Uh, I give two. That's two. It's gotta be a two for me. So do you not do halves? Is that the rules? Yeah, no halves. And it's it's one to ten? Yep. Okay. Um I'll probably go with a one, to be honest. Okay. Not a fan. Uh, 1.5 overall. And B. Oh, this B's is good. It's good. I'm a fan. Balanced well. Yeah, it is. It, it does a good job of tricking you. It has a little bit of a Rodenbach character. It's a little Rodenbach-ish, in my opinion. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, this is interesting. Oh, God. I will say it, it, it's it got that sweet, sweet tart flavor, like you said. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how much of it I could have because of that, I think. Then it might just kind of like wear down your taste buds. Right, right. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, like sour candy does that to me. Like I yeah. love it, but then I'll just have too much and then my taste buds feel like raw. Yeah, you can overdo it pretty quick. Yeah. That's citric mm-hmm. acid. Yeah. This is good though. Um, I, I do get a little bit of that kind of like acetone on the finish of the flavor too. Not like I've actually, you know, I, I drank nail polish remover or anything, but. I almost get like in the finish like a little bit of a wine tinge. I could see. Like when you said you got the acetone, I was looking for it. And I started feeling like the aftertaste sometimes I get with a wine. Hmm. You know, it kind of dries your mouth out a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think I would say specifically wine, but um, maybe maybe some barrel for a little bit, like the woodiness you were talking about earlier on. Yeah. Okay, uh, this beer, I like it. I'm not like crazy in love with it. Um, did you want to go first? Or you want me to? Um, uh, up to you. I'll just say I'm going five. Yeah, I was. I like I, it a decent amount. I was bouncing between four and five, and I'll okay. probably go. I was leaning toward five. Okay. Overall five. So obviously B's the winner overall five. A the loser overall one point five. So A we will do first. Loser one point five is Oh Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, their Vienna Lager. Mm. Doesn't really surprise me. I'm not huge on, on lager styles typically. Well not Vienna lager styles. Five point two percent alcohol by volume. So that Devil's Backbone was out of um, Lexington, Virginia, and they were independent. They are now owned by AB and Bev, mm-hmm. or which I think is now like AB Miller Coors at this point. But okay, I'm surprised really... it's, a, it's a lager though. I didn't get much of lager. Yeah, actually, it's a good point. Like I didn't, I didn't feel like I had like a lager yeast. And generally, I like a lager. Oh, and okay. It, I see it, it now. And it's weird to. Uh... You don't really see many craft beer loggers because I guess they're you know different yeah. fermenting countries. You know, I I see, I see exactly where this beer is now, knowing what it is and what my expectation of it should be. For what it is, it's you know it's it's well crafted. 
Yeah. Um, the issue is it's just not an exciting style at all, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what I know there have been some people who have been kind of like, well, there are certain beers that are just at a great disadvantage on your podcast mm-hmm. because you are trying a blind and they're just a style you don't like. And that's true. But people should just know that. And we'll always say after the fact, hey, you know, like in this instance, for a Vienna style lager, it tastes like a good Vienna style lager. Like What's a Vienna style? Food. I don't know that. I believe it just has to do with the the uh, malt used. Oh, okay. It's Vienna malt. So, okay. but um, it still tastes. Yeah. When I taste it again, I still now I'm tasting a lot of like like tea bag. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's definitely got that flavor. Mm. It definitely does. A little watered down tea. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. Well, let's see what the winner overall of five beer B is, and it's a big one. It's 750 milliliters, so we have extra. Oh, oh, it is a Rodenbach. It is Rodenbach. Oh my gosh, this is so funny because I actually, when I first tasted it, I thought about Rodenbach because yeah. it felt like it had that barrel character you were talking about. Yeah. That seemed like a Rodenbach style. Oh, that's so funny. So this is their 2014 vintage nice. Rodenbach. It's nice. one of their limited edition Fooder uh, beers. Fooder? Does that mean it's supposed to pair? Uh, no, Fooder's uh, is it's spelled F-O-E-D-E-R. So it's like a giant wooden vat, is what a fooder is. So is that kind of like, is it like wild fermented? Is that yeah? Mm -hmm. Uh, So this the original. It's their ale. It's original sour ale aged in oak fooders from Belgium. It's seven percent alcohol. Hmm. Yeah, character ripens with age. It says. Yeah, I bet it does. Matured for two years in the fooder. Ah, wow. So that. So does that mean it was? Brewed in 14, and then it was released in 16? Ah, yeah, that's what I'm assuming. I'm assuming this was released in 16. Brewed in 14, yeah, probably brewed in 14, and then aged for the two years and all that jazz. Um, Okay, this is interesting. Uh, Characters ripen with age. This exclusive limited edition Rodenbach Vintage 2014 was aged for two years in Fooder number 192, the 61-year-old fooder that was carefully selected by our brewmaster, Rudy Gikier, Gikier, uh as the top-performing fooder of the year. Oh, interesting. Huh. This exceptional Flemish red-brown sour ale has a uniquely balanced sweet and sour palate and complex aftertaste. That's accurate. I agree. Yeah, that's a pretty good yeah. description. God damn. Well, it's funny, we, we said a few things about Rodenbach yeah. earlier on. This happens all the time in this podcast. You bring up a brewery or a beer, and then it shows up. Yeah. Um, awesome. I mean, as usual, Rodenbach doing some damn yeah. solid stuff. Mm. That's good. Man, I knew it was Rodenbach-esque. The logger threw us off, but we brought us back with the, with the Rodenbach. You know, I feel like there's there's more sourness and more of an acetone kick to, to this Rodenbach than any other Rodenbach I've ever had. I will say that. Not that it's necessarily a bad thing, it's just an observation. Yeah, but it's it's it's, it's not nearly as rough as some other ones, though. I think yeah. for Rodenbach, it's probably pushing the edge on them, but it's still balanced really well. Oh, yeah. It's, it's quite nice. Cool. Well, uh, thank you so much. Um, one beer that we weren't huge on, but it was good for what it was supposed to be. Yeah. And one beer that was very tasty. I'm going to finish that up. And there's more in the bottle, which is great. Yep. Thanks for being on, Sean. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And until the next time, you're brutal. I feel so
This has been a Nerd Circle Podcast production. <laughs>